Hello and welcome to Miss Bossy Boots, keeping it real for women in business. My name is Stacey Morgan. I am the Principal of Port Macquarie Performing Arts and joining me is Jane Hilston. She is the Managing Director of Dragonfly Marketing. Hi, Stace. <laughs> you heard me scoot away from the microphone then because we are sharing a mic today because we have some special guests in. We have, Stace. We love having special guests on our podcast. And we especially love it when they're women as well. And we have two fabulous women joining us today from the Possify group. Welcome, Marianne and Jenna. Thank you so much for having us. We are very, very excited. This is our first Port Macquarie-based podcast and actually Jenna's first altogether. I had the pleasure of jumping on one this morning. But before we get started, we've brought a little something special in. This is this is off the cuff. Stace and Jane yeah. weren't expecting <laughs> this. I did listen to your couple of podcasts previously so I have some books because there was a wild Fabulous. and furious debate around do we measure it or do we just go and do things because they're woo woo and Jane I, I heard you talk about great with all this mindfulness stuff but it's kind of intangible what is it that we're capturing so this is for you to borrow the book because obviously we can't see sorry everyone <laughs> it's called <laughs> this is happening by Rowan Guntalaki and he is the creator of Buddhify one of my favorite mindfulness apps so that speaks to some of the neuroscience and because you ladies love to talk about the brain one of my favorites a women's brain book the neuroscience of health hormones and happiness by dr sarah mckay who i've had the pleasure of meeting so enjoy enjoy that is so awesome thank you one for your amazing preparation by listening to previous <laughs> podcasts that's fantastic and um, if any of our listeners remember I think the episodes that um, Marianne is uh, reflecting on are one where we've spoken about perhaps uh, well our mindfulness but also is that the one where we spoke about the um, what's manifesto absolutely yes. so I loved that because I, I like to think of my involvement in this space as kind of sitting in the space between science and spirituality so I was really excited to hear the woo-woo and at the same time love the fact that Jane brought it back to measurement so yes. um, you know that's where the science comes in hopefully we can talk to that a little bit more today and we love <laughs> books and you know reviewing our favorite books as well so you've given us some homework that's nice hopefully okay. we we're going to mention these on our on our favourites list the Great. next time we do I a favourites episode. Hear what you think. <laughs> How are you doing, Jenna? I'm really well, thank you, and thank you so much for having us today. I'm really excited. I'm I'm pumped to get into the questions. Jane has prepared all of the things, and I'm going to just sit back and listen pretty much because she will take over because that's what Jane does, and that's cool. All right, so we have the fabulous Marianne and Jenna today, and they are from an organisation called the Posify Group. So I'll let them explain to you uh, what the Posify Group is all about, but also give them give them a little background or give you guys, I guess, a little background into Marianne and, and Jenna as people. Um, and yeah, let's hear about the Posify, Posify Group. Oh, we're pretty excited to start here. We've only, we're, we're fresh off the press, the Posify Group. So uh, we've had a few different iterations, but really, um, I guess the group was formed out of our innate desire to, be, to believe in a world where everybody can live their most meaningful lives. And so what that looks like for us, I guess at our at our core, our purpose is about how to connect other people to that life. Um, you know, to the ideas of why they want to jump out of bed in the morning and really what creates that sense of meaning and purpose for them as individuals and also at a collective level as groups in society. Um, and the way we do that is by bringing the science of positive psychology into action. So we really draw upon evidence-based principles and turn them into actionable steps that everybody can apply on a day-to-day -day basis to live their most meaningful lives. And 
It's funny, the idea really came to us after several roundtable conversations around how we could make an impact in this space. Um, individually, we kind of had different journeys and yet there were collisions between the two as well. So my background, I was saying to Jane before we went live, is actually in acting and producing. And, and then I've kind of we call wayfinding. I've weaved my way into this world of psychology, having just finished up my clinical master's training. But um, people kind of go, oh, where's the similarity, similarity in the two? And for me, it's about the process of storytelling. So that kind of connects to my why. I really have this innate desire to want to hear more about how people experience their way in the world and why they move forward and and really amplify what it is everybody's unique set of skills, strengths and values are. And the way I've done that or the how, if you like, has been a little bit different. But um, I'll throw you over to Jenna and she'll give you a little bit of background, I guess, as how she saw it all coming together. Yeah, so... Uh Definitely the idea of the Posify group, and it's had a few iterations now. We've gone through, I don't know how many different business names. It was very exciting when we actually registered the Posify group. Um, but yes, that definitely came a couple of years back. But for me, the seed really started um, back in childhood. And I'm always so grateful to be able to work with my sister, my best friend. Um, but I reflect back onto those early childhood days and we had this beautiful little um, cottage out in our backyard that sat underneath a magnolia tree. And on a Friday afternoon, our cousins would come over and we would play the magnolia cottage school. And it would sound crazy because we've been at school all week. But I really struggled at school. As a kid, I was in the remedial classes and school for me was a real effort and it was really challenging. And I loved learning, but I hated school in a lot of ways. Mm. And so to me, that that space on a Friday afternoon where I could connect with people who just got me and who let me be who I wanted to be and who let me express in the way that I wanted to express really sat with me and and, and it was the seed that started a lifelong journey in terms of wanting to shape our education system and mm. wanting to shape experiences for young people to be who they want to be, how they want to be it and still learn but still feel accepted for their differences. So that seed kind of niggled away at me throughout my life, but I actually went down a corporate sector for uh, a good decade. So I worked in uh, sales, marketing, recruitment, training and development. Yeah. Um, four or five years ago, that seed started crying out for some sunshine awesome. and, and just said, I have to go and do something about this. So I quit the corporate sector and I took up my education degree. And then um, that led me into positive education, thanks to Marianne's concurrent studies in psychology. And when she called two years ago and said, hey, dude, we've actually got to put this together into something. We've really got to make something of this. Then it really was a no brainer. And that's where what first started off as my plot was our first name um, and iterated into the Posify group and, and now uh, registered as a formal company. So where did Disrupt HQ? Because firstly, I just wanted to say I love the term wayfinding. Yeah, because cool. that I can't claim it myself, by the way. No, but I, I love David Cooper writer term. I love the use of it because it 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 almost gives us permission. It's like a verb that mm -hmm. gives us that permission to actually accept that sometimes we need to find our way. Sometimes mm -hmm. we don't just land mm -hmm. in the career or the position or in the spot in life that we are ultimately destined for. Sometimes it actually takes us starting off down one path and iterating until we find our way. And, and you know, this, this could also be a, a step or, a, or a, path, a path on a journey to somewhere else. Was, was Disrupt HQ in there somewhere as well? Because I've seen yeah. a few iterations along the yeah. way of your group because I've been excited to watch your journey. Oh, lovely. 
Totally. I love that. I was thinking about Disrupt HQ just this morning because um, at the same time as we're launching Posify, I've also got some other passion projects and purpose projects that I'm about to launch into the world, which is really exciting. Disrupt HQ was the seed in many ways for Posify. Right. Um, we didn't like the name in the end because we okay. felt like in terms of moving into the education system and how we can make a shift around um, our young people's mindset around what they want to do when they leave school, which is a space that we really love to play in as much as we love to go into organisations and workplaces and help them with things like wellbeing checks. And, and we do that particularly in Port Macquarie. Our core goal is to assist with that transition period between what does school look like and what is the answer to the big question, what am I going to do when I grow up? So I really wanted to disrupt that education space. And then I recognized that really that wasn't going to work unless I could work hand in hand with that education system as it is. Um, So I guess Disrupt HQ speaks to my desire and our desire to be innovative and to pivot and to turn and try out new things. Um, I I like to think of purpose hunting as a wicked problem. Yes. and it requires a wicked solution. It requires yeah. design thinking. It requires innovation. It re- requires an ability and a desire to go and just try things out and be prepared to fail and put yourself put yourself forward. Yeah. And I get so excited about purpose, and I think Jen's the same because the research in the area is still really new, even though there are truths about the purpose journey process that are experienced over a long period of time. So I hope that answers your question. In ter- yeah, in terms it does. Of- well, it's been an iteration. So, uh, and um, certainly what I glean from from that kind of description or, or background um, from you both is that there's always been that kind of innate or that seedling within you to to want to um, p- provide support and guidance and, and, and to play in that space. But You've you've just kind of started down a few different paths, and and the callings got louder and louder and louder, and now it's kind of pulled you two together, um, and that's still been you know a couple of years of of experimenting and trying, and as you said, not being afraid to fail, mm-hmm. uh, but to get to to a solution which might not be your ultimate destination just yet. It's it still could be iterating, or it could be somewhere that that you, that you sit now within and um, certainly what I have got certainly from the, the the last probably year or so is is a lot of the content that I see from you guys is is solidly around that finding your why and mm-hmm. and that's obviously something that you've spoken about in your introductions is finding your purpose or finding your why and that's something that Stacy and I have spoken a lot about because Stacy for her business has been very certain with her why it's 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 her driving force behind her business um, I've never had a, a, a solid why. I've never had that certainty around my business so much. Um, so it's always frustrated me, but we've always, you know, spoken about it and debated about it and, you know, admired people um, who, who, who had kind of found their why and were working, you know, very passionately towards realising that why, I guess. So why do you think it is important for people to connect with their purpose? Do people have to connect with their why to feel contented and fulfilled? Okay. (laughs) You've touched on so many beautiful points there, Jane. And I think um, the first one that I kind of want to speak to, if it's okay, is that idea that our purpose has to translate and connect to what we do for a living in the world. I think that there's a big push for that at the moment. And there is, 
I love the term purpose economy that's being bandied around. Um, Aaron Hurst is one of the people that's working in that space. So definitely check out check out his stuff if you like that idea of connecting your purpose to what you do in the world professionally. But I also think that it's really important to recognise that we can be meaningful and purpose-driven creatures in many aspects of our lives. Yeah. So whether it be in the nine-to-five traditional sense of a career or whether it be that after school I go and volunteer down at the local youth hub or whether it be that I'm working as a cleaner in a school at the moment and my meaning out of that my sense of purpose and the way I move in the world is because I love that when I walk into the classroom the next day the kids are so lit up and ready to learn and they've got a clean space to work in whatever it is that drives you forward um, that's what we talk about when we're talking about our meaning and purpose. And if that happens right. to align to something that you can go out and professionally do, yes. awesome. So um, I guess I can speak to the idea of purpose on a, if we've got time on a yeah. personal and professional level. Yeah. Um, so here at the Positify Group, we have a saying that the possibilities open if and when you connect to your why. And for me personally, uncovering my personal why has been literally a lifesaver. Um, we all carry with us our personal stories, and for me, mine was a long was for a long time one around uh, the symptoms of mental illness, um, and that comes off the back of a traumatic episode that I experienced when I was when I was quite young, and that at the time we didn't have the social media movements that we have now, and so we didn't have the language around what that looked like. But in trying to share my story as a young person, there was a lot of confusion around where that story sat, and what eventuated was my own experience with a really deep dark, horrific depression, right. um, which kind of helps me in a way now in the work that I do identify with some of those symptoms and other yes. people and really have a strong sense of empathy and beyond empathy, compassion. Um, so for me, understanding my meaning and my purpose in the world was a thing that really kept me grounded. Yeah. So when my entire world was upside down because of this event, I was able to reshape how I moved in the world and how I saw the events around me. And I guess, make sense of the world, which is what meaning is all about. So if I turn now and put my professional hat on with that story aside, we know that meaning is kind of consists of three different things. So it's uh, the how we make sense of the world. That's the coherence. The how we do things in the world. That's the bit of purpose. That's the actionable stuff, which is really cool. And then the significance that we feel. So the things that we value. Um, And with a trauma some of those aspects get flipped on their head, but what often stays is what's significant to people. And tapping into that is the protective factor. So even when the purpose is pushed aside, there are aspects of meaning that, yes, absolutely can be life-saving. That's on the clinical end. Right. Then on, if we look at the positive psychology, because we've got traditional psychology that talks about distress, then we've got positive psychology that goes from functioning to flourishing. And in people who are connecting with their purpose, what the research shows us is they've got greater sense of optimism, increased engagement, they've got higher levels of productivity, of life flourishing, a sense that they're contributing to something that's greater and beyond themselves. So certainly there's a lot of evidence to suggest that purpose is a worthwhile process, yes, not something that we find. For me, very similar to Marianne, I've got both a personal and professional connection to it. Um, And I guess now I've got the language to understand that a little bit more. But when I reflect back on my life, I've realised that I've actually always known what drives me. I've always had that connection to the Mm. difference that I want to make in the world, um, what my role is in terms of um, the impact that I want to have. But I've not necessarily ever 
um, until more recently connected with the what that looks like. So as a kid, you know, I was the kid who would write to Santa every Christmas and say, please give my presents away to kids who don't have any presents because it just, it ripped me up that there were kids that would wake up on Christmas morning and, and not have anything and, and not have that, you know, opportunity for what I saw as a standard part of life. And so that idea of justice and, and eradicating poverty and, and eradicating homelessness. But as I moved through school, I started to realise that that's all very well and good, but I was constantly asked, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? What's your job going to be? What are you going to go do and, and study? And it became really stressful because I had this burning desire inside of me, but there were no clear pathways as to how to translate that into, um, you know, the career that you meant to go and have and yeah. you meant to choose at the age of 16. Yep. And, um, For the rest of your life. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because I wasn't doing all that well at school at the time too, I'm, you know, I'm now a dyslexic English teacher, but that's a, <laughs> I don't think there's very many of them out there. So I, <laughs> I overcame some of those challenges. But yeah. at the time I was feeling really overwhelmed because I was being pressured at a young age to mm. figure out what I wanted to do. And I started to look around me and I started started to notice how many people were feeling the same. And by the age of 19, I lost three friends to suicide. Oh, wow. And I think that I, I went through some pretty dark times as well because of that stress, because of that confusion at a time where we're developmentally so confused anyway, mm. that I think one of the things that really kept me driving alongside amazing relationships, alongside a support structure, was that sense of purpose, was that sense of connection that I want to make a difference and I don't want to leave this world until I've done that. So I actually don't care what it looks like. And that led me into a whole bunch of different jobs and finding how to mm. channel that purpose in jobs that I wouldn't imagine I would possibly be able to uh, channel a purpose in. Mm. So my drive comes from wanting to help people understand that you can know your why and you can actually deliver that why in the most unusual of places. Mm, and nice. that helps you on your journey. You don't have to focus so much on the what. So I'm really keen on shifting the, the question for youth in terms of what do you want to do when you grow up to why do you want to do it and where else can you find mm, that nice. space where you can live in your why. And I love the idea of the why being something that is a journey and that is growth because I think Jane struggles a lot with, um, I haven't got it yet. You want to get it, you want to tick it off your to-do list, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly yeah. what I wanted to do. Okay, so found the why good tick. Yes. <laughs> and, and so often um, we get that, you know, how do I go and find my why? Where is it sitting? Can I, can I go and find it? Why has Stacey got her why and I don't have yeah. my why? <laughs> It's not one of those things that you can punch into Google or, or call up Siri, you know, speak into your phone and say, hey, Siri, where's my why? Yes. It is. It's something that you uncover. It's absolutely a journey and, and a growth aspect. But but your purpose, your why is innate. It's it's within you. It's just a matter of doing some digging and, and trialing and experimenting and finding every moment that your little heart just goes, oh, buzzy. Yes. That's a connection to, to what it is that is your purpose that that drives your why i love it i'm all about it i could listen to you guys talk all day what else <laughs> so we both you both touched on um different things that you've had from your past that weren't um that were difficult situations that you had to go through and 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 times where you had to to look outside yourself for, for support and people to lift you up and, and mm. that network. Depression and anxiety are, are pretty rife in society mm -hmm. today. Um, according to Beyond Blue, there's an estimated figure that 45% of people in Australia are going to experience a mental health condition in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, in any one year around a million Australian adults have depression and two million have anxiety. What 
can we do as a community to be tackling this? Or is this something that is largely sitting just with individuals to solve? Is there something bigger that we can that we can do? I think it's such an important question to be asking. And at a time where I think I was talking this morning about the idea that I really think as a society, we're shifting the conversation now from a level of consciousness and awareness around the stigma that we've carried with mental illness. I mean, we're kind of all of a similar age. And I remember when Beyond Blue became a thing, it wasn't that long ago, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you think about the shift that we've had and how long that has taken and still understanding the struggle that people feel to even to speak their truth and their experience uh, and then translate that into, okay, well, now that we've got that awareness, what do we do next? Um, So in answer to your question, I guess I sit at that at two levels, absolutely individually. We owe it to ourselves and to the people that love us to find the practical strategies, um, the effective support structures to work with psychologists, with our local family doctors, to really arm ourselves with tools that that help us um, to fight illness. And at the same time, I think that there's enough evidence to support the idea that we can really start to almost inoculate our children with practical strategies that instead of waiting, because if you think about mental health, it's really on a continuum. We've all got the capacity to move from the red to the green zone and back to forth and there's orange in the middle and all the way along. So rather than learn the skills required to look after your mental health when you're sitting in the red zone, positive psychology would argue that there's a really strong case for understanding what you can do in terms of shifting your cognitions and shifting your mindset, being really aware of what's going on in our really busy minds and learn that when we're well and when we're functioning Mm. and allow that to move us into flourishing and thriving so that when the inevitable stress does hit, okay, great, I can go to my toolkit, I'm armed and that's what we call resilience. So again, resilience isn't about here's a book, tick, now I've learned resilience. Resilience is a set of skills that we draw upon that becomes our armour to really to really act against some of these bigger things. And as a community, I think that we owe it to ourselves and to the next generation to explore innovative ways that we can deliver that en masse. Because you ladies know we're living in a regional town. We are really, there are brilliant people here that are helping, but there's not enough people on the ground helping to the number of people that need the help. So we need to be coming up with different ways that we can all take responsibility and play our part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And look, I, I think that's a really good point. So I think your answer really was that, yes, it is up to the individual. You can't, um, uh, yeah, not pass about. Like it's not, it's not like you can blame the world and, and wait for somebody else to fix your, um, your situation. But as a community, we have to, to embrace that this is something that um, people do need our support with and our empathy and our, um, I guess, encouragement, as you said, more so to try and address it before it gets to that stage. So actually trying to embrace that idea of of arming people with those tools and, and, and I guess, um, fostering resilience, which that's a big topic. It's a big topic. And it's a topic that I think is a, is a warranted topic to have a conversation around because we know the skills that we can teach our young children. It's gone from a conversation of social emotional learning to actually understanding how our minds are working and having the neuroscience to back it up. Um, so there's a lot of preventative work that we can do. And equally, all of the skills that you learn that can be preventative are really helpful in terms of us being at our very best and living these incredible lives and going out and doing 
our purpose work in the universe. So yeah. there's not really a loss, I think, as a community to no. be supporting everybody. It's not just about who's mentally unwell and let's have compassion and empathy for them. It's what is the human condition and at any one point in time, any of us can be at any point of the continuum along that and you really wouldn't know a lot of the time as people to what are people's very good self-talk at, yes. is going on inside and what that's preventing them from doing. Wouldn't it be an incredible world if we were all able to do our very best work? That's the world that I want to live in. Yes, and not fear the judgment. And and is the judgment in our, largely in our head or is it something that will be ultimately inflicted upon us? And just on that subject of resilience and building resilience in children, you know, I think um, Generation X in some ways is a little bit responsible for um, perhaps, um, gosh, what's the word? Not diluting resilience in our children, but I think there's there's a propensity to wrap our children up in cotton wool or to step in where perhaps they might not have, um, where they perhaps need to actually solve a situation in themselves. And it was, it was brought to my attention in my yin yoga class the other week. Um, and I'd gone in, of course, in my Ugg boots and, and my, um, you know, fleece and, you know, seven billion layers going, oh, it's so cold. I just can't believe how cold it is. Rah, rah, rah. You know, and my yoga teacher, who's very calm, it's like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he started off, I like to call him, them his yoga sermons. He started off the yoga um, session with a sermon about mental toughness, you know, and very kindly with an, and without judgment, you know, said as a society, our mental toughness is in decline. You know, we sit in our safe brick houses. When it gets cold, we turn on the heater. When we get hot, we turn on the air conditioning. When we get hungry, we just go and eat that big from, you know, from that big selection in our fridge. Like we just physically don't allow ourselves to become uncomfortable. And I know sometimes I need to stop myself with my children. You know, I've had an incident at school with one of my kids where he's having a situation with another child. And all I want to do is go in and rescue him and take him out and say, take that nasty person away from my child. But it's like, no, this is exactly the situation that he needs to be exposed to and problem solve himself to build that resilience. Yeah, and you've touched on something that really gets me, and I, and I sometimes get a little high horsey about it. So I will, <laughs> I will try and tone my high horse down. Um, but it is really a difficult balance um, to to yes, want to encourage um, uh, taking risks and and not solve everything for our children. But the more I start to explore this, and as a parent myself, the more I start looking at how I parent versus how I teach, and you know how yes. I've always thought about raising children. The more I'm realizing how much we as adults put the expectation on ourselves that we need to provide the solutions for the kids rather than facilitating them exploring and understanding how to become people. And in so many ways, we take opportunities away from them to do that because we're trying to teach them as opposed to, yeah, yeah, as opposed to, to help them find their own way of doing things. Yeah. I do that with my kids and I also do it with my students as well. And then I go, well, why wouldn't you know how to do that? I've never given the opportunity to do it yourself because I've always just swooped in and solved the problem. Yeah. And at the same time, because things are dialectical and we can have this and we can have that. Yes. I a hundred percent agree that a lot of us could, could benefit from taking the cotton wool off. 
And I think systemically we need to be looking at in order for our children to go and have these tough conversations and explore, you don't learn that out of a vacuum, right? No. Like we actually need to have in our schools, in our communities, yes. in our extended networks, safe safe platforms where kids, just like we scaffold, scaffold our maths and our English and our science lessons, we need to scaffold, scaffold the social emotional learning processes for our children. I have to give... Um, a beautiful woman a plug right now dr susie green does some incredible work in mental fitness um and i think it's an area that that she and her team are really pioneering and um and in terms of moving this conversation into the schools any school who has the opportunity to work with her and her team on how to build some of these conversations amongst our children in a way that um empowers them really to be their own agents of change and gives mm. them some practical strategies that they can apply so at a developmentally appropriate age level. Because I think as adults, we often put our expectations of how we would manage a situation onto a young child yes. who's got a developing brain and who doesn't have all the schemas and stories around how they should move in the world. So I think it's this and it's that. Yes. Yeah. Look, this is just awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I think we've got so much more to talk about. Because we could just talk all afternoon. Do you guys mind if we kind of wrap this up now as far as this episode goes, episode 51, and then um, get you back in to do some more chatting? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely love that. Thanks. This has been so much fun. Thank you for offering a platform for us to bring some of this knowledge with everybody. We would love to come back. Cool. That's awesome. If you wanted to find uh, more on you guys, where can people find you if they can't get enough and they don't want to wait for the next episode. Oh, we'd love that. <laughs> www.theposifygroup.com.au, P-O-S-I-F-Y. And uh, follow us on social media at Posify Group. That'd be great. That's We'd awesome. See you there. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We are the Miss Bossy Boots podcast. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>